0: Oh, Hello, oh, and welcome to this episode of Self Made. I'm your host, Dee Brown, CEO. Joining me on the show today is businessman and entrepreneur, Greg Edwards. Greg, welcome to Self Made. Glad to have you on the show. Dee, thanks for having me. No, absolutely. Hey, on this show, Greg, we'd like to uh, let our viewers understand uh, our uh, guest's journey to where they are. So I, w- I would like to start by just learning a little bit about your childhood, you know, where you grew up and what your childhood was like.
1: Yeah, so going uh, going way back, I grew up in a little town in Iowa called Traer. Uh, went to North Tama Elementary through high school, and that it, it's a tiny town. I had a graduating high school graduating class of thirty eight, uh, and my my dad. Owned an uh, automotive repair and gas station, so it, that's where I got the, I think my entrepreneurial spirit from from he and an uncle of mine. But yeah, my my dad was a, a mechanic and business small business owner, and grew up in this tiny town in Iowa and was always a uh, computer geek and yeah. just have leveraged that through my through
0: my business career. So, what about high school? What was high school like in the? Small town, uh, it, class of thirty-eight people. Yeah, so I was uh,
1: I was a starter on the wrestling team. If that, and I'm not very uh, athletic, if that tells you anything.
0: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I actually have a son that was a state champion in in wrestling. Really? Yeah. What in what what state? Uh, Tennessee. In Tennessee. 150, yeah. One fifty one fifty weight class. Oh man, that's a tough. <laughs> yeah. That's a tough weight class. Yeah. At <laughs> that was, ages. Uh, number number two in the state. His 10th grade year, and I think won the state championship 11th and 12th grade year. That's
1: awesome. Yeah, see, I was never that good. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I got beat on. <laughs> uh, but it, growing up in a small town in Iowa, um, it was a great childhood. I can't, I, I can't say anything bad about it other than not being exposed to, I would say, what the the rest of the real world was is yeah. like. Uh, we were pretty <laughs> sheltered.
0: Yeah. So how did you uh, become interested in technology? I know you mentioned you were a computer geek.
1: Yeah. So it, actually, that started in elementary school. Uh, we had an Apple IIe computer. This would have been back in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, and our little school was one of the very first to put in a computer lab in the elementary. And I was the student liaison for for that computer lab, and really taught a lot of the administration and teachers how to how to use the systems. Yeah, uh, and was building building my own programs and developing when I was about ten, uh, and so progressed from there. Never really looked at it actually as a career. It wasn't something that I, I thought I wanted to do as a career. Uh, but then dropped out of college and needed to get a job. And started at a at a software company because it was really the only thing, only thing that I had any talent at.
0: Yeah. And so, how did your dad influence you uh, in terms of your uh, drive and motivation to be uh, an entrepreneur?
1: Yeah. So see, he had he had a very strong work ethic, but also took time off. Uh, and so I can remember a lot of times uh, my dad. Taking taking me fishing as a child, and the fact that he was able to take off when when the fishing was good, uh-huh. <laughs> that was that was yeah. something that influenced me, and and from a young age, something that I wanted, I knew that I wanted that flexibility uh, to be able to spend time with with my kids when 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 they were the age that I was. So I remember that from probably the age of uh, twelve or so and knew that I wanted to be
0: an entrepreneur at that, at that young age. So when you uh, graduated high school, you talked about you started college and, and dropped out. So just kind of tell us a little bit about your college, college experience, but then also kind of what led to you deciding to, uh, to drop out.
1: Yeah, so the the reason that I dropped out, I actually had a child when I was 20, um, and so dropped out. And actually got a job working in a factory, working third shift in a factory, uh, because it was really the only thing that, that I could get a job doing at that point and needed to needed some income. And so that was really, uh, a pivotal point in my life, um, not only becoming a father at the age of 20, but then also working in a factory and working third shift in a factory and realizing that, that, that I knew that that wasn't what I wanted for my life. Um, I did drop out of college at that point. Uh, and then, um, then that's when I got a job with a software company that took, took a chance on me. um, and worked worked my way up pretty quickly within that software company and um, eventually,
0: eventually quit and started my own uh, network consulting company at 24. So what was the, I guess, what happened in your life or what was the moment that uh, you realized that you were going to go from being an employee and having that security of a paycheck every week or every two weeks who wanted to transition into uh, an entrepreneur and open your own business?
1: So I knew that from, again, probably from the age of 12 or 14. Like That was something that I knew um, that I knew that I would do. I just wasn't sure what or how. Uh, And so after after I started with uh, a software company, it was an insurance software company, um, I realized that 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 was something that I certainly had a calling for, and something that that I wanted to do as a career. And so then figuring out how to transition into starting my own company, um, and that was in in 1998. So Y2K was coming up, yeah. and essentially every computer system had to be replaced at that at that point um, in '98 and '99. And I started my own network consulting business, having really no idea <laughs> what, yeah. what I was doing, and, and at 24. Um, but there was there was much more work to do than there were capable bodies to do it. Yeah, and so I was immediately um, made made a lot more money uh, and spent a lot more. Time working, <laughs> yeah, right at, at that at that age, but really cut my um, cut my chops on installing networking systems and upgrading everything for Y two K uh, in the and that was in the Cedar Rapids, Iowa and Iowa City, Iowa area. So,
0: so, what were some of the challenges that you faced? Just you know, transitioning from being an employee, now you own your own company. Uh, you basically you eat what you kill, and so what were some of those challenges that you faced starting a new company?
1: Yeah, so I mean, it was the really the unknown, um, and the it. I mean, this sounds. I, I don't want to make entrepreneurship sound easy because it's not, and I've had many failures since then. But that start was the easiest of my entrepreneurial career, uh, <laughs> and and again, it was it was luck luck and talent and timing, timing yeah. that allowed for that and i had some really great um great clients that were willing to take a chance on me early on um and companies that were i can remember being at being 24 and sitting in in boardrooms with the seasoned executives and going over their annual budgets and what they needed to upgrade for their technology systems. And, ha- and looking back, had no reservations, no nervousness about doing it. it was, yeah. it, And I don't, I don't know exactly how or why that, that was <laughs> the case, um, but it was something that, that I think I was preconditioned for because of that, knowing that I would want, that I wanted to be an entrepreneur from the age of fourteen, and this was the natural
0: progression to, to do that. So, uh, what was your next, I guess, business move after starting your networking company? What was the next business that you you went into?
1: Yep. So the next business, uh, and this this was built out of that. Technical managed services business um, was an offsite backup and disaster recovery company, and so this was right at the beginning of what's now the cloud. So this was pre pre cloud, but same kind of distributed computing systems. And what we were what we were doing within the IT company, we would we would keep people's tape backups, this is how far this goes back, uh, we'd keep their tape backups and systems to be able to bring them up and have them live in our office. And so what we did is transition that to a, a cloud, pre-cloud environment and it was off-site backup and disaster recovery where we would, if a, if a company's system went down, we would bring it up in our um, private cloud environment and this was back in 2007 so really people didn't start talking about the cloud as the cloud until about 20, 2010 2012 time frame
0: yeah
1: um and during so during hurricane sandy uh which was in 2012 we had seven simultaneous recoveries that we did for companies in New Jersey, New York and Pennsylvania uh that were taken down because of hurricane sandy had them up and running um, in less than two hours, and their employees were able to work completely remotely before remote working was what it is today, right. um, and and really before the cloud applications even. And so so that was an interesting business um, that that company was my first exit that I sold to a publicly traded company
0: uh, in 2016, uh, and then started started Canary shortly after that. So, tell me a, a more about Canari. What you all do, and, and what's your um, what was your vision behind starting the uh, the company? Yeah. So,
1: so at the offsite backup company, our engineers were doing recoveries because of ransomware. So these cyber attacks called ransomware. Um, we were doing recoveries because of ransomware more often than we were for all the natural disasters. Um, hardware failures, everything that we normally would have done recoveries for, we were now doing them because of cyber attacks. And so I I saw that in the offsite backup company and recognized that cybersecurity was going to become even even more of a problem. And so once I sold the the offsite backup company, a company called Access Backup, once I sold that I knew that I wanted to start a cybersecurity firm and that started out as a what's called an MSSP, a managed security services practice, mm-hmm. and we used off-the-shelf tools for that, but we still were having clients getting hit by ransomware even with best of the best tools and best practices. And so we built what is what is now Canary um, we built that in-house and used it for our clients at the managed security business and then split that off as its own entity and is what, what is Canari today. And so it is an anti-ransomware tool that watches for the action of encryption that gets past the other security tools. And yeah. once that
0: ransomware is actively running, we detect, isolate, and kill it. So, what are some of the uh, I guess horror stories you've seen in, in the industry uh, that you've had to come uh, in and <laughs> and resolve?
1: <laughs> yeah. So it's so we're not a um, incident response company, but I get called in to incident responses just because of the nature of what I do and the the network that I have. And so, I, you know, one of one of the worst actually was a an individual that called in to the offsite backup company, and this is before starting the, before starting Canary. Uh, and they were not a client of the backup company, but they had, they had been hit by a ransomware attack were completely down. This was a manufacturing company and it was the founder that was calling me and was literally was in tears over the fact that he didn't at that, by that point, um, he found, found me online. I had no idea who this person was, um, but got, got, ultimately got through to me. Um, and he was literally in tears because he thought that he probably was going to lose his business because all of his files had been encrypted. He didn't have good backups. And I mean, it, it mad, you know, so, Imagine going into your office and having no data, none of your systems, everything that you had built for how many ever number of years wiped out.
0: So what are some of the things that, um, you know, business owners, large and small, can do to help protect themselves from uh, ransomware and cyber attacks? Well, so install Canary is number one.
1: <laughs> um, but it, it's a lot of best practices and what we call defense in depth. And that's it. that defense in depth is if they get through one layer of protection, you've got another layer and another layer and another layer and then resiliency to fall back on. And so some of those things... That need to be being done are patch management, number one. So that's updating the software that's on your systems to make sure that these cyber attackers can't exploit known vulnerabilities. And that is critical and something that every CEO should be seeing on a monthly basis, a report from their IT department of what's being patched and that all of the systems are up to date. Um, so then a a next generation antivirus and what's called an endpoint detection and response system. Um, so those are, it's like a video recording system for your, your network where it's recording everything. And then it uses AI to look for what we call indicators of compromise Uh and be able to detect and stop breaches that are in action. Um, and then, I mean, I'm giving a high level of all of the things, but configuration best practices, um, making sure that your firewalls are are properly locked down, um, then backup and making sure you have resiliency. If all of those things fail, that yeah. you then can recover. And it's amazing how many companies don't test their, their backup. Systems. So until a, until a backup system has been tested and recovery is successful, yeah. then I would not consider any backup system to be safe.
0: Wow. So from a business perspective, uh, getting to where you are now uh, today with Qunari, uh have there been any individuals that were instrumental in either mentoring you or helping you along the way to get to where you are?
1: Yeah. So I have a, a mentor um, by the name of Kurt Nelson, who has been, he's been a mentor of mine for almost 20 years now. Um, and with a group called the Entrepreneurial Development Center based out of, of Cedar Rapids. And he's, he has, he's one that um, it's not always the feedback I want, but it's the feedback that I need Right. and is always, always honest and always straightforward. And that I think as an entrepreneur, the first, probably at least the first five years, I was, I would say, arrogant <laughs> enough that I thought I knew everything, and I think part of that was age, um, but didn't didn't have uh, that mentor at that point to really help guide me. Yeah. Uh, and now, and I, I meet with I meet I meet with him monthly. And we review the business and talk through some some days it's just crying on his shoulder. Or some yeah. days it's uh, asking for advice.
0: Right. And you mentioned that he gives you uh, advice. And oftentimes it may not be what you want to hear, but it's what you need to hear. Um, how important is it for, you know, entrepreneurs or people that are trying to do anything uh, in life to be successful? How important is it for them to have someone who can provide them uh, honest and sincere uh, feedback?
1: Yeah. I I mean, I think it's critical. Like it, it sounds like a no brainer, but some entrepreneurs are again. And I think it's that not necessarily arrogance, but it's the overconfidence Mm -hmm. to think that we know everything and we don't need that outside help. And it is really hard to see, see your own problems Yeah, and having that sounding board that's not inside your business. Uh, to, to look at things
0: objectively, I think, is critical. Yeah. Um, if you had to provide, I guess, some advice for uh, a young entrepreneur that's getting ready to you know, start along this, this journey of uh, you know, being uh, out there and trying to make things happen for yourself, uh, what advice would you give?
1: So uh, the biggest thing is to take action, I mean, and go do it. Like you, you can't, I, you absolutely need to plan and prepare but you can plan and prepare yourself into non-action you right. never take action. So go out and find that first client and go, go do it. And some of it – you because ha- every plan that you create is going to adjust and going to change. And right. you're going to have failures. And you just have to, you have to go and find out what those failure points are. And if you, if you just plan and don't ever take the action – then it's never gonna happen, ha- never gonna happen.
0: Right, yeah, some people uh, uh, convince themselves to wait for that perfect opportunity. And I, I don't think that for most of, most of us, the opportunity is never perfect. So you have to make a plan and, and just execute and, and, and move forward on it. Uh, but my next question for you is, uh, as it relates to uh, Qunari, uh what do you have, you know, your, your plans for the future in terms of uh, growth and what you want for, for the company?
1: Yeah. So, so ultimately, the the goal will be to exit from that company. And really, what Canary is is a point product that needs to be absorbed and pulled into a larger uh, security stack. And when I call it a point product, it, what I mean by that is that it's a very, it's a very not niche but very specific product to stop a very specific. Problem and there's lots of those within the security space right now where um, differing kinds of companies like Canary have built products to stop different specific kinds of cyber attacks and that's right. exactly what Canary is. So ultimately, um, ultimately, we'll exit to a larger cybersecurity company um, that you know hopefully, uh, ho- hopefully, will be. Be purchased by a household name
0: <laughs> and so what are you doing though as, as the you know chief technology officer and founder what are you doing to position the company so that you would be attractive to uh, a larger conglomerate that may want to acquire you and add you to part their product uh, lineup
1: yeah so a few things so we have uh, patent uh Patent pending right now for our algorithm and our detection method. So that protecting the intellectual property is really important within our space. So doing that, um, ensuring that sales continue because that's that's one of the primary drivers of the valuation is that growth over time. Um, and and then really we're we're very in um, the reason that I'm. Able to share this is because we're we're very transparent with all of our employees of what we're doing, where we're going and what the future of the company is. And so everyone is aware that that is the the ultimate goal from this. And so doing all of those things, making sure our processes are in place, we're going through um, what's called SOC 2 certification right now. Um, We'll finish that uh, in mid-March and be SOC 2 certified, which really is a, a step to ensure that you're, do, you're proving that you're doing the right things from a process and security standpoint.
0: Yep, and you mentioned uh, transparency uh, with your employees. Uh, how many employees do you all have? And talk to me about, as the, as the owner of the company, how important it is to maintain that transparency and good employee-employer relationships. Right.
1: Yeah, so there are 11 of us, so a small company, um, but that transparency is something that in in every business that I've owned that I've strived to do, you don't always necessarily achieve it. Right. Um, and whether that's through just not not communicating effectively or in- intentional or unintentional, but having that transparency, I think, is critical, especially in a small business, um, as the company gets larger Larger and larger, it's hard to have that transparency right. across every employee. Um, but I think it's I think it's crucial to the success of small businesses to be be transparent with everyone.
0: Right. And so, for you, um, Greg, what do you want your legacy to be uh, in this technology space or this uh, un- space of being an entrepreneur? What would you like your legacy to be?
1: Yeah. So, from a legacy standpoint, I think that that n- being known as someone that knew what was coming, so the next the next thing that that I have been able to do successfully so far and being known for that yeah um, and really helping to push the employees that I have to be be able to move on to the next thing yeah. so that's that's really. Where where I see my legacy in entrepreneurship being is is number one in knowing the technologies that are coming next and being able to create a company to serve that need. And then also being a a partner with my employees so that they come away better when they leave.
0: And as we get ready to wind the show down, I want to just ask you. Uh, one question, to play off of what you just stated, what are you doing as the owner to stay on the cutting edge of the next big thing? Yeah, so it's hard,
1: especially the older that I get. I'm turning 50 this year, uh, and I feel like I'm ancient in the technology world now. <laughs> um, so, you know, the, the big things that are, are coming up now um, are AI, of course, and I
0: I use Chat ChatGPT, um, pretty much every day. Greg, I I hate to cut you off, but we're we're about out of time. I I definitely appreciate you being on the show. Uh, You've been a great guest. And to my viewers, I want to thank you for watching this episode of Self Made with D. Brown CEO. And remember, without you, there's no me.